Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am really pumped about today's show. Today, we're going to explore how being useful is a valuable yet massively underutilized marketing technique with Jay Bear, who's author of the brand new book, Utility. I'm also going to share tips on launching uh, a brand new product and a quick discovery of the week. As a matter of fact, let's do that right now. After untangling a school of anacondas, look what Michael Stelzner found. Now, those of you that um, may know me before Social Media Examiner days may know that uh, I used to be known as a white paper guy. As a matter of fact, my very first book was called Writing White Papers, and that was my area of mastery, if you will. Um, A good friend of mine is Gordon Graham, and since I've moved on from white papers to social media, um, Gordon has taken up the charge with a really awesome brand new book called White Papers for Dummies, and I strongly recommend this book. It is an extremely detailed, up-to-date book on how to write and create white papers. And for those of you that are wondering what the heck is a white paper, a white paper is a lot like an ebook. It is a uh, cross between a brochure and an article, and it typically has informative information in there that's used to hopefully get exposure or generate leads. So I suggest you head over to Amazon and Google uh, White Papers for Dummies, and you can check out Gordon Graham's brand new book. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Okay, with that, let me transition over to the next segment of the show, which is something I'm very excited about. Here's a word from our tour guide. If you have been listening to the podcast, uh, I, for the last three episodes, have been um, doing little installments on how to launch a product and or a company. And what I've been doing is going through step-by-step. For example, in the first episode, I talked about how to set your vision. In the second one, I talked about how to test your message before you actually launch to see whether or not there's even an audience that would find interest in in it. And in the last episode, I talked about how to recruit people by putting a a general call out and not necessarily going after all the famous people. Um, Today, what I'd like to do is focus on how to go from an interest level to commitment and how to go from commitment to actually action. So uh, what I've been doing is I've been using the example of My Kids Adventures. My Kids Adventures, just so you know what it is, is a brand new 
online magazine for parents that uh, we're going to be launching very soon. I want to use this as an example so you can understand the actual processes that we're going through here at Social Media Examiner in preparation for this launch. Just to give you a little backstory, people watched this video that I produced a while back. A lot of people filled out a little form and said that they were interested in, in getting involved. And we got on the phone and talked to lots of people and were able to kind of qualify people to determine whether or not they could help us with the creation of content. Then what we did is bringing you up to speed with today's segment. Um, we sent everyone to a special form that we put together. And basically what we said is, hey, if you're interested, as you said you were when we spoke on the phone, in creating content for the My Kids Adventures project, please visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash MKA Writers, all lowercase. That stands for My Kids Adventures. MKA Writers. And what... What people saw when they went to that page was a simple form that they could fill out along with that very same video that I had been using all along. And it asked them for the basic information like their name and their email address. But we also asked for what I would call um, qualifying information. For example, we asked, what is your um, experience with children's activities? And what's your writing experience? That's another question. What are some of your proposed ideas for articles? And then we also asked, can you please link to three or more of your best articles on any subject? Because we knew that our audience that was interested in this may not have necessarily written on children's activities. So all that information came emailed to us. And then we would process that information, kind of rank and filter, and come up with a, a list of people that we were interested in based on assessing the writing and based on the topical ideas that they came forward with. So then the next step was to actually reach out to them and try to get a commitment. So um, the summary of the first step is to have a form that you can filter people through and everyone must go through it. By going through a form, they're, they're forced to think about um, exactly what we're asking for in the form. And they're forced to comply to the steps that we want so that we have an equal comparison with all the different people that are interested. The next step is to actually go from um, that, com you know, getting that commitment. So um, what we would do is we would say, okay, you submitted these topical ideas. We like this topic. And this is the key language. We would say, um, congratulations, we're interested in exploring the idea of having an article with you or something along these lines. Would you be willing to write on this topic, which is one they already submitted, and by what date can you send in the article? And then we will also say, once you reply to this email, we will send you our detailed editorial guide so that you'll know exactly what our style is. But the key language is here, here is, are you willing to commit, and by what date will you be able to send us the article? Once they reply back with that commitment and say, okay, I'll get it to you by next Friday, um, that kind of takes things to the next level. In the sales terminology, it's like asking for the sale. And it's very important that we did that. Then the next step immediately after they say that they'll, and by the way, if they never reply, then we never bother to pursue them because that means they're really not interested. So getting that commitment level is absolutely important. Then the next thing we do is we send this five-page editorial guide that we put together. In the editorial guide, we have all sorts of stuff like about what our standards are, what we're looking for, um, what the article should include, stylistic requirements, what to expect. For example, how long does our process take? And um, I just want to read a little snippet out of our editorial guide just to kind of give you the idea. And what I'm about to read for you is important because 
I am a strong believer that setting very high standards and expectations is essential to getting high quality output out of people. So here's what it says. We're very excited that you're interested in writing for my kids adventures. Our online magazine helps busy parents create fun adventures with their kids anywhere from the home to the backyard to the great outdoors. So that's kind of our opening statement of what it is. Then we have this important section that says about our standards. Our founders are the same people behind social media examiner. One of the world's largest and most respected business blogs. My Kids Adventures aims for excellence with every published article. This means our editorial process is detailed. For example, each published article is processed through at least four editors. And then in yellow highlight, it says the purpose of this document is to help you increase the chances of your article meeting our publication standards. Please read it and let us know if you have any questions. So what we're doing here is we're stating right off the bat here that our standards are high. And if you want to be able to write for us, you better study the document. And I got to tell you, um, we went through, um, we took our old editorial guide for social media examiner and completely revamped it because we knew that this is a different kind of an audience that we're dealing with right here. Um, and the result has been phenomenal. So by getting people to commit and by detailing what our standards are in a very, very uh, conversational style, the end result has been phenomenal. As of this recording, and we're about a month out from launch, we already have more than 20 people who have committed to writing these articles uh, for us and have already received the editorial guide. And I got to tell you, it, it has made all the difference in the world. So um, here's the take-home lesson. Set the bar very high and provide very clear instructions and people will deliver. Um, in the next installment, we're going to talk about how we got everybody excited. And what I mean by everybody is lots of people excited for the upcoming launch of My Kids Adventures. And I'll talk about some of the marketing techniques we, we use there. Um, if you want to learn more about what the heck this My Kids Adventures project is, visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash kids. One last thing I want to share with you. If you have any questions about anything related to social media or content marketing, um, you can leave us a voicemail on our hotline at socialmediaexaminer.com slash voicemail. With that, let's transition over to today's awesome podcast with Jay Bear. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Jay Bear. If you don't know who Jay is, he's the founder of the award-winning blog, ConvinceAndConvert.com. He's also the co-author of a book you may be familiar with, The Now Revolution. He's got a brand new book that just came out called Utility, While Why Smart Marketing is About Help, Not Hype. Hey, Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Fantastic to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. And hello, listeners. <laughs> well, thank you, Jay, for coming on. And today, Jay and I are going to explore a new way of thinking about marketing. Um, Jay, in your new book called Utility, and I want to note to everyone listening that it's Y-O-U-tility, um, you mentioned a few reasons why marketing is getting turned upside down. Let's start there. What is it about marketing that that is changing that everybody needs to kind of understand. 
Well, Mike, marketing is is harder than ever, right? It's never been more difficult to be a marketer. We've had this uh, incredible growth in the number of, of outlets, right? So it's very hard to achieve uh, top-of-mind awareness in the ways we used to be able to do. This is a great example. I mean, you are, in fact, a great example, Mike. I mean, you think about uh, the social media blog that you run and this particular podcast. Those are media outlets that didn't used to exist, but yet now you have this this tremendous audience. And, and you take what you're doing and you multiply it times all the other folks out there with blogs and podcasts and Instagram and Pinterest, there's this tremendous um, uh, explosion in the number of information sources out there, which makes it much more difficult. Mm-hmm. But I think that the even more important realization is that companies now are competing for attention, not just against other companies, but against everybody and everything. Let me tell you what I mean. So if you look at your Facebook feed, if you look at your Twitter account, even if you look at your email inbox, what you'll find is a combination of personal and professional relationships, right? You'll see notes from your friends, notes from your spouse or your kids or your mom, uh, and then things from companies that, that you support. So what that means is that companies are competing for attention line by line, and pixel for pixel against our actual friends and family members. And that is an extraordinarily difficult situation. And the opposite's not true, right? My wife does not buy radio time to make sure I know what we're doing this weekend. And my friends don't buy newspaper ads to make sure I know what's up with them. But yet businesses and companies are being forced to use these same technologies to get on our radar. And that is really, really tough. Yeah, and if we can expand on this a little bit, if you think about the nature of social media, the keyword here is social, right? So they didn't start out necessarily as marketing platforms, right? They started out as ways for people to connect. Um, LinkedIn, obviously one of the early ones was about helping people get jobs. Twitter was about, you know, uh, connecting, you know, little snippets of data. So in some regards, the marketers have invaded onto this social terrain, haven't they? Yeah, and that's always been the case online, right? I, I have been working online since 1994, since you know before the graphical browser, since before Yahoo, since before Google, certainly all those things. And I remember when we started to, to buy advertising uh, on the web for the first time, and people freaked out. Like, we don't want advertising here. Uh, but at the end of the day, you've got to realize all these things are free or almost free, and so somebody's got to pay the freight. And the guys paying the freight are businesses who are sort of, you're right, invading uh, invading those spaces, so it's it's uh, it's a difficult proposition. But utility is the way to uh, to break through that clutter, in my estimation. Okay, so um, let's just uh, explore this a little bit. So, um, just so I understand what you're saying, today we've got a billion plus people on Facebook, and who knows how many on Twitter and all the other social networks that are out there. And every person now is trying to get attention, right? <laughs> and yeah. there almost is a little bit of a personality play going on where people are almost becoming like businesses now where they're trying to get their follower counts up, right? Or they're trying to get more exposure for whatever it is that they're doing, even if it's just, you know, a little hobby or something like that. So now marketers are competing against hobbyists, against individuals, and frankly, everyone. And that's a quandary. That's what I hear you saying. Is that about right? Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is. I mean, let me let me say it this way. Your competition is not the other people that sell the same stuff that you sell. Your competition is everyone and everything. Every cute cat video, every meme, every sort of viral sensation is competition for attention. And so the only way you can succeed in that environment is either to be 
sort of amazing and awesome and viral, but I don't really like that advice because most people are not amazing and awesome and viral. Uh, and saying, go be amazing, I think is, is more hope than strategy, or you can be truly and inherently useful. Uh, and that's what the book is about. Uh, yeah, and I want to explore this a little bit because I think this mantra that has been shouted from the hilltops for such a long time is you must be um, unique you must be Gary Vaynerchuk, right? right? You have to be like this crazy personality in order to stand out in the noisy world. But what you're postulating is that's not necessarily the case. And I would love you to share the Hilton Suggests story with our listeners so they can kind of understand a little bit more about this. Sure. And, and you know, Gary is a great example, right? If, if you are um, dynamic like that, the, the wisdom of just be amazing can really work. But that is the exception that proves the rule. Mm-hmm. Most of us are not amazing. So instead, uh, what I uh, espouse is to be useful, right, is to create utility. And I define utility in the book as, as marketing that is so useful, people would pay for it. And an example of that, as you mentioned, is, is Hilton. Hilton Hotels has a program called Hilton Suggests. It's at Hilton Suggests on Twitter. And it started off very simply. They, they took volunteers from about 25 different hotels from around North America. And this wasn't anybody's full-time job. They were doing it on the side. And they said, look, here's the deal. We want you to just pay attention to Twitter. And if you see an opportunity to help, just help. Mm-hmm. Just help. End of end of instructions. So that's what they do. They they strategically eavesdrop on Twitter, and when they can find an opportunity to provide assistance, that's what they do. They jump into conversations. So one of the examples we talk about in the book was a guy had a, a sick dog, and he just moved to the city. He's like, "Hey, my dog is." He just sort of tweeted out into the ether, right? Just you know, maybe someone can help me. Hey, my dog is sick. I just moved here. What do I do? Hilton sees this and says, "Oh, there, yeah. There's a great vet over at Thirteenth and Q." Uh, and then the guy took his dog to the vet. The dog is fine. And then the guy tweets back like, hey, I cannot believe that a major American hotel chain just used staff time and staff resources to make sure that my dog was okay. That's amazing, right? So at some point, this guy is going to need to book a hotel. And at that point, what hotel is he going to think of first? Marriott? No. He's going to think of Hilton because they helped him when they need help. The difference between helping and selling is just two letters. But in modern business, those two letters make all the difference. So let's explore this a little bit. Um, obviously, it, Hilton suggests is got people in different cities that are looking, I, I would guess, for the locals. And if right. they're doing some goodwill for the locals, the hope is that when they have friends coming in from out of town, they'll say, go stay at the Hilton, right? I mean, that, that's got to be the rationale because the locals aren't necessarily staying in the hotel. I mean, is that kind of no, what the, the thinking locals, is? The locals are going to different cities and thinking about about Hilton as a brand. Ah, very good. So um, later in the book, you mentioned a similar hotel example, and it might have been Hilton suggests uh, about somebody that uh, was looking for a restaurant. Do you remember that story? Yeah, so it was uh, Hilton as well. And, and a guy was in Dallas on a, on a business trip and said, hey, uh, I'm looking for a good restaurant in downtown Dallas near the Magnolia Hotel. And Hilton sees this. Again, they were strategically eavesdropping, and they just answered back, said, hey, man, um, this, uh, this one, Campisi's and this other place are really great. You'll enjoy those. And you can actually walk to them from your hotel. But that Magnolia Hotel where this guy is staying isn't a Hilton hotel. So now you've got Hilton using staff time and staff resources to provide assistance to somebody that they know categorically for a fact is not a current customer. 
But okay. eventually, he's going to be in a different city and going to need to make a different hotel. And at that point, he's going to think of Hilton first because they helped him when they needed help. Okay, so let's let's think through this a little bit because I'm sure a lot of people listening right now think that that's a really cool idea, but they might be wondering about the practicality of it if they're not Hilton, a sure. massive brand like this. So kind of lay out what's the value proposition of helping in an area that doesn't have an obvious payback right away. I was talking to somebody about this uh, yesterday, and they said, well, what do you do in circumstances when your business uh, is really focused around you know, making sales this week? And I said, well, the best way to do that, the best way to make sales this week is to harvest the relationship that you started a year ago. Hmm. And that's where utility comes into play. I was, you, saw, you talked about Gary Vaynerchuk. Ironically, I was at a conference with him on Monday. Uh, we were both speaking at the same event, and, and he had a really great line. He said, look, everybody wants to be a hunter, but nobody wants to be a farmer. And that's exactly right. You know, utility is about the long-term play. It's about if you sell something, you make a customer today. But if you help someone, you can create a customer for life. So it requires you to think about marketing and think about customer acquisition and loyalty and retention over a longer time horizon than we typically do. And you know what? I think at the core of this is is like serving others. Um, and obviously, there's a lot to be said when we are in a world where so many businesses are so self-serving, right? <laughs> those yeah. that those that can stand out from the noise can do something as simple as a positive gesture of goodwill that can literally shock someone. <laughs> and it's like it's because it's it's the opposite of the norm. Because it's so rare. Yes. Because it's so rare. That's the sad part, right? I mean, I wish this book never had to be written. I wish the fact that, you know, being useful, uh, you know, I wish that was just the default state, right? I wish people were helpful all the time, but they're not in businesses in particular, because businesses have been trained for the last hundred years to sell something in the next five minutes. Yeah. And it's not going to work anymore. It's not going to work in this hyper competitive environment. You have to take a different approach. You have to market sideways. Let me give you an example, Mike, that I think will help people understand uh, the, the nature of this indirect form of marketing and why utility is important. Columbia Sportswear, uh, which makes, you know, jackets and pants and stuff. So Columbia Sportswear has this mobile application called What Not to Do in the Great Outdoors, K-N-O-T. Mm. And it shows you how to tie knots. It gives you an animated demo of how to tie different kinds of knots. So if you're hanging off a cliff face or you're camping or whatever, that's pretty awesome information to have. During the podcast, maybe less so. <laughs> but here's, here's the, the, the big takeaway. Columbia Sportswear doesn't sell rope. They've given themselves permission to make the story bigger. So instead of saying, hey, here's a mobile app that shows you the different kind of jackets we have, or hey, here's a not app that also has a bunch of coupons in it, they've transcended the transactional. They've said, well, what if we just focused on improving the lives of the kind of people who do want to buy jackets instead of selling jackets directly? That's pretty cool. Um, let's let's dig a little deep into the definition of utility. You've already said that um, making something so useful that people would pay for it. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what utility is and what marketers need to understand about this? 
Yeah. Now, let me just clarify that you wouldn't actually charge for it in most cases because it is marketing, right? I mean, you're trying to, uh, you know, build a brand and, and develop connections with customers and prospective customers over the long haul. So I'm, I just want to make sure we're clear that I'm not saying you you create marketing and then make people pay for it. Right. There are certain circumstances where there is a fee associated with with utility, but that's a very rare instance. But it, it is so inherently useful that you would pay for it. So. Mike, if I said to you, here's the thing, um, anytime that you're in the United States in these 25 cities, if you tweet something, the concierge from a Hilton hotel will answer your questions and give you recommendations. Would you pay for that? Uh, if I was standing there in front, I would tip them for yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. You tip the concierge. It's the same thing, right? right. But on Twitter, um, uh, you know, so, so the same thing. Would you, if you were an outdoors person that needed to know knots, would you pay a dollar ninety nine for the knot app? Of course you would, right? Totally. But they're not making, uh, they're not making you pay for it. So the notion of utility is it's marketing that people want, as opposed to marketing that brands and companies think they need. And let's let's kind of peel back the word marketing a little bit because it's almost, it's almost not marketing. It's almost content. Um, yes, absolutely. It is. It is almost entirely content. We just don't call it content for the book because some people are sick of that word. <laughs> so um, you've come up with a couple of elements that you think are important uh, that you talk about, and I believe the first three chapters of your book, or the first couple chapters, of the components of being useful: um, self-service information, radical transparency, and real-time relevancy. Can you kind of give us a high-level overview of yeah, these? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's three ways. I think the easiest way to explain that is there's three different kind of categories of utility. Three different ways to do it. So so the first one is self serve information, right? Customers today want to see the sausage being made. They want all the information, right? And and it's fundamentally changed everything. Um, it used to be that that customers didn't need to know uh, the facts. They would ask you, and you could tell them. So this this idea of we're going to be the middleman and we're going to keep information hidden is dead. It's over, right? Travel agents, stockbrokers, you know, real estate agents. I, I did a speech recently at a conference of uh, automobile dealers. You know, talk about an industry that's been transformed by this concept. People walk in to buy a car; they know as much or more about the car than the guy trying to sell them the car. Good point. And, and that's going to continue for everybody. And this year, Mike, one of the reasons why utility is so timely as a marketing framework is that this year is the year we cross the chasm. Smartphone penetration in the U.S. will be 57% this year, which means that most of your customers, and for some listeners, the significant majority of your customers, have access to all of the world's information at all times in their pants. So, and so, at that point, they can find anything, right? So you've got to give them more information because otherwise they're going to get the information somewhere else and that somewhere else may not be as complimentary. So you have to over-educate your customer base. Okay, gotcha. So, so the idea on the self-service side is to enable these um, mobile users or people that are, you know, essentially have access to the internet from anywhere, enable them to get the information that they want anyways in an easy way. And that's... That's um, that's without one. having to talk to somebody, right? Because there's one thing that this whole internet has done is made us all totally passive aggressive. Totally. Right? Everybody who's listening to this podcast has purposefully not filled out a contact us form, even when you are interested, because you didn't want to be contacted. You didn't want to be called or emailed. What you want is self-serve information. You want to get the answer yourself, and then only when you get to the point that you can no longer get any more answers, then you'll actually have a conversation or an email exchange with a real person. Okay, cool. Let's talk about the other two. So the second one is 
uh, radical transparency or to answer every question. Uh, one of the best proponents of this, of course, is our, our mutual friend Marcus Sheridan, who's done this so effectively with the River Pools and, and Spas blog, where you know he went through a, a very difficult period with his company where they almost went out of business and said, look, we've got no budget. What are we going to do? And they just set out to answer every question that anybody had ever asked them about swimming pools. And they did. And it, and it grew their business uh, you know, in incredible ways. And, and they continued to pursue uh, that strategy. And there's lots and lots of other case studies in the book of other companies that are doing that. It doesn't matter who you are or what you sell. Your customers have tons of questions about you, your products, and your services. And the best way, frankly, to get started with utility is to just to make a list of those questions and start answering them. I think one piece of advice for everyone listening is if you sell a service with a fixed price, put the service up on your website, put the price on your darn website, right? Yeah. I mean, Marcus talked about that. You know, it's like, why would you, why would you not do that? Why would you want to have a conversation with somebody who's not qualified? You're just wasting your time. Yeah. I mean, and, and not only that, but you know, at the end of the day, that's what they want. <laughs> if they know what your price yeah. is, then, you know, they'll probably take that as a, as a good gesture because you're completely transparent, right? Yep. Absolutely. And what about yeah. the real time? This might be a little but, harder for people to wrap their head around. Well, here's the thing, right? Nobody is a utility all the time, right? Nobody's that good because your customers' needs change. Utility is circumstantial. As I said earlier, if you're camping, the Not app is awesome. If you're recording a podcast, less so. One of my favorite examples, Mike, is uh, Vanderbilt Medical Center, hospital down in Nashville that I've done some work for. They have a a mobile app called um, CoachSmart, and you turn on your phone and your kids are on the field, you're a soccer coach or baseball coach or whatever, if your phone vibrates, it's time to get your kids off the field because there's lightning in the area. It's a real-time lightning finder. Huh. And they, they, they built it for coaches in Nashville, but it's so amazing, right? It's so incredibly useful. It is a utility that it's now been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times, including by several NFL teams. And of course, people who fish or canoe or kayak or even bicycle are like, this is the greatest thing ever. So it is a real-time relevancy, right? If there's if it's raining or rain is forecast, it's amazing. If it's a sunny day, it doesn't matter. But it's so useful that that when you need it, it's there. And then it fades into the background of your life until you need it again. Well, a lot of this, a lot of these examples we're talking about, or at least a pretty fair significant portion of them seem to be app related. Are Is there ways for those that are listening that don't have the means to create an app to also still create utility? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Oh, for sure. It just happens to be a couple of good examples. One of my favorite examples, especially for small business, uh, is Taxi Mike. And Taxi Mike is a a cab driver in Banff up in Alberta uh, in Canada. And and Banff's a big tourist town. There's skiing and lakes and bald eagles and majesty. Uh, There's tons of bars and restaurants and tons of taxi drivers. But only one of the taxi drivers in town is a utility. So what Taxi Mike does is once a quarter, he creates the dining guide for Banff and just lays it out on his laptop. It's not very pretty. Uh, The guy's not a graphic designer designer, man. He's a cab driver. So he goes to uh, FedEx and he gets it printed out in very yellow, like the super, super duper annoying yellow paper. Mm -hmm. And he folds it up in a trifold and has a map of downtown on the front of it. And he hands it around to all the bars and restaurants in town. And if you're in Banff, when you, when you walk around town, you'll see this Taxi Mike dining guide in all the bars and restaurants because it's super useful. He tells you what's the best patio and what's the best place for martinis and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's he, Basically, he's like a one-man Yelp, right? He's a Yelp by himself. And at the end of the night, when you've been to four or five bars in Banff, and you're like, I got to find a way to get back to my hotel, 
you're probably not going to just ask the bartender to call you a cab because in your pocket is this crumpled up, very yellow piece of paper that you've been staring at all night because it has a map of downtown and all these directories of bars and restaurants. And it says right on the cover, Taxi Mike 760-1052. You're like, boom, this is my guy. He's a utility. So how, what does that take? That requires like an hour every quarter, some knowledge and a trip to FedEx. Uh, two other thoughts came into my head. Um, um, you put out a, uh, a one thing email, you know, every day and kind of get to the point where your readers don't have to rely on what's happening in the world of social. They can just get your one thing. We do the something equivalent on Saturday where we call it this week in social media. Right. So people don't have to go to Mashable 50 times a day, you know, right. they can just rely right. on that Saturday email in the inbox. But these are examples of utility, are they not? Absolutely, you're saving your you're saving your customers or prospective customers time, uh, or or making their life better. And, and you're right, we talked about a couple of mobile app examples, but uh, you know you can do this uh, so much simpler. And you can also even do it offline, Mike. Check this out. So uh, in in Montreal, okay, there's this bizarre circumstance in Montreal where every year, and I still don't totally understand this, it freaks me out. It's so outside of our frame of reference in the U.S. But in Montreal, approximately 225,000 people change apartments every year on the same day. Huh. They all change apartments on July 1st because all the leases in Montreal, for reasons I don't fully understand, uh, run from July 1st to June 30th. So on July 1st, everybody, it's like musical chairs. It's like musical apartments. Everybody changes apartments. So Ikea in Montreal said, well, wait a second. If everybody's going to change apartments on the same day, we could be a utility. What do you need when you change apartments? Lots of stuff. You need boxes. You You need boxes because you got to move. So they took uh, several different intersections in the city and made pyramids of boxes, cardboard boxes. And the cardboard boxes say in French, hey, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but basically take a box if you want one. Thanks very much, Ikea. And then had a coupon for free meatballs in in the store. So they just gave away a bunch of boxes, and year over year, sales increased for that weekend to 24.5%. That's insane. Okay, so um, a lot of people listening right now might be like, okay, I get it. I'm sold. Where do I start? So in the book, we have a six-step process, six blueprints for how to create utility um, for either an individual, small business, big company. The the very first step is to really um, kind of transcend the transactional, as I said, and think about how can you... Uh, solve needs or solve problems or connect the dots for your customers or prospective customers. And that's typically not your products and services per se. It's something related to the lifestyle of the people who like your products and services. It is a not app as opposed to the jacket app. So the best way to do that is to look at um, search data. So what are people searching for? Look at your web analytics, look at social media chatter, see what people are talking about. Uh, the very best way to understand what your customers need, though, is to actually talk to your customers. Go figure. <laughs> right? and, and I wish that wasn't even necessary to have in the book, but it certainly is because we've got, you know, I've been doing this a long time. You know, I'm, I'm an old dude now, and it concerns me because there's so much uh, talk about big data and analytics and reports, and that's awesome, man. It's super cool. But I, too often I see companies using data instead of actually talking to their customers and having phone conversations or in-person conversations where you can really drill down and understand what people need. And there's no replacement for that. 
And, you know, if you don't have the means to actually get on the phone, you could just put a little survey monkey together, right? And yeah. you could just simply ask a lot of questions and, and with that information, discover things that you might not have realized. Yeah, and that's how you come up with something like, you know, like the lightning app, right? What happened was that the hospital uh, was out in the field and as part of their sports medicine department, they work with high school coaches in Nashville. And they were out there having meetings with all these coaches saying, you know, what's, you know, what, what's your deal? What are your concerns? And they started off working on some concussion stuff because obviously concussion is a big deal in youth sports now. Uh, and, and so it ended up um, kind of evolving from this concussion thing to the lightning thing. And the only reason they figured that out is because they went out there and actually had meetings with all the coaches. That's awesome. Um, Jay, let me ask you this question. When you think about blogging, which is a written medium, and you think about YouTube, which is visual, and you think about podcasting, which is auditory, um, can all of these different mediums be falling under the utility idea that you're talking about? Is there absolutely, and then some? In fact, there's examples in the book of all of those. Uh, I, I, you know, the thing. What, what I, what's cool about utility, Mike, is that is that in some cases uh, it's not about sort of the right. Uh, way to do it or the wrong way to do it. There's just some ways that are a little bit a little bit more right. Um, let me give you a different example from a different hospital. So the Phoenix Children's Hospital has a, another uh, mobile application, which they actually built from uh, a PDF, from a, a, a workbook. And this app tells you what kind of car seat to buy. Mm. So depending on how heavy or how tall your kid is and what kind of car you have, it says, here's the kind of car seat to buy. Really cool, right? Really interesting app. Uh, but here's the thing, right? They could have done that a bunch of different ways. You could have had a blog about car seats. You could have a video blog about car seats. You could have a podcast about car seats. You could have a downloadable ebook about car seats. You could have an actual physical book about car seats that you give to doctors who then in turn give it to parents. You could have an offline event about car seats. Like come on down to the hospital, bring your kid, we'll have popcorn and face painting, we'll look at your car seats. All of that would work, all of it. In this case, they did it as a mobile app because they said, look, you know, if you've got kids in a car seat, you're probably fairly young. Therefore, the likelihood of you having a smartphone is a little higher. And two, when you really, 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 really need the information about what kind of car seat to buy is when you're in the store. And the best chance of having this information in the store is in a mobile app as opposed to a blog or a podcast or something else. But you know what? I could make a case for any of those other executions. They would all work. It's just the mobile app might work a little better. Huh. And probably in the birthing room, they put little flyers there, right? So that when you <laughs> right. check out... Yeah, download it. Download or or maybe by then it's too late. Maybe it's in the, uh, in, in the classes that people are taking before right. they have the baby, you know? Right, right. Well, Jay, we've talked about a lot of great ideas here, and I hope people that are listening right now get this, that you know, you don't need to be um, crazy, um, you don't need to be completely innovative, you don't need to like, you know, be the Gary Vaynerchuk of the world to stand out in this noisy you know, space that we're in right now. Really, all you need to do is be really, really helpful, and that is the premise of your book, Jay. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a huge social media play here too, Mike, right? I mean, it's like we talk a lot about social and we talk a lot about content. And this book is a lot about content. But what I say in the book and what I say all the time is content is fire. Social is gasoline. And one of the reasons why utility is so important today is that everybody listening here 
will be better at social if they use their social to promote useful things instead of using social to promote themselves. This idea of social media is basically a venue to, to say, we're great, click here to let us prove it. That's not going to work. That's never, it's just, it's not going to work. But to say, here's a tweet that says, look, we built this really awesome thing. You can benefit from it. It'll make your life better. That will work. Jay, um, thank you, first of all, so much for um, all your great insight today. Um, folks, the name of the book is Utility, Y-O-U-T-I-L-I-T-Y, Why Smart Marketing is About Help, Not Hype. Jay, where can people find out more about you and your new book? Uh, there's a website for the book. It's utilitybook.com, and you can find out all about me at jbear.com. Thank you so much, Jay. Really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day today to join us. Thanks, pal. My pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview with Jay Bear. Um, the guy's really smart, and there's a lot of great insights in this particular episode. Um, as a matter of fact, if you missed any of the links or references that we've talked about, you can get the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 47. Man, I can't believe we've already done 47 episodes. Also, uh, if you've been a regular listener to the podcast and you enjoy it, can you help me out by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash love? What this will do is pre-populate a tweet into your Twitter stream, letting your friends know about the podcast. And I would love it because that just helps us find new listeners. Well, folks, um, gosh, this brings us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.